where history says they belong. Just in Edinburgh, the mastermind of the O's first league title in 49 years. A remarkable two-year turnaround. From the despair of relegation and the threat of extinction to salvation and silverware. It is a club that's come back from the brink and is now on the way back up. 13th in 2018. Orient are champions 12 months later. to the Orient Outlook podcast sponsored by AJF Plastering with myself, Steve Nussbaum and via the gift of technology via Zoom this evening I'm joined by my good friend South Stan Chum, the bearded legend the one and only, the daddy-o Mr Paul Levy Thank you very much indeed good to be back uh, hello everybody, welcome back this is episode number 212 and via the wonders of modern technology as you can probably tell we are not in the same room we are socially distancing uh, ourselves at a very safe distance. So we hope everybody out there that's listening to this, wherever you are in the world, is safe and well during this strange and unprecedented time. I have to say, delighted to be back doing this podcast. It's been so long uh, since we did our last one. We've missed our football so much, uh, to be fair, uh, since everything has been paused. And we've really got a special and a bit of a different episode for you uh, this week as we're remembering and celebrating the last game of the 2019-20 season that finally sealed our promotion back to the Football League. And actually, as we sit here and record this on Sunday night, it's nearly half past eight, this time last year, we were at the Starman Awards, one of, if not the greatest nights, the social nights I think I've ever had. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. But... This evening, even though we're not in the same room, we're still not alone, though. We have so many messages that we're so grateful for. We have messages from the board, by the management, the players, from the Edinburgh family. We're absolutely blown away. But to start this evening's episode, we've got Nigel Chairman, obviously the Orient Chairman, speaking briefly about the day and a quick update. So here is the first message of May this evening, and here is Nigel Travis. Hi everyone, it's Nigel and it's Saturday afternoon here in a sunny Boston. Uh, We have very strange weather here in April. It's been snowy and I think it will be snowy again tomorrow night, but it was beautiful today. Got out for a very nice run. I feel good as a result of that. Um, Without any true sport on TV, been watching the NFL draft for my beloved Miami Dolphins. Uh, It's been quite exciting and the draft has gone very well. I know for many Orient fans, you won't know what I'm talking about, but that is American football for you. Anyway, uh, it's good to welcome back the Outlook podcast for a a special edition. And think about it. I said it's Saturday afternoon. It was one year ago that we secured our promotion back to the Football League. A memorable day, but a pretty unexciting result, nil-nil against Braintree. But anyway, we made it. Uh, We had a great night that last... That night, uh, we celebrated and celebrated and celebrated, and one year on, we're very much members of the Football League. 
Uh, and being part of the Football League has been interesting. I've been on the phone. I've been on various uh, global discussions with lots of different chairmen and CEOs on Zoom and other devices, Microsoft Teams. It's, it's been an interesting few weeks. And I think I covered most of what we talked about on the Q&A that was issued by the club a couple of days ago with Danny Macklin. So I won't be repetitive, but what I will say, because I know everyone's interested in this, I think there's three scenarios that will come out. We will somehow finish the season probably behind closed doors. And next season, I think, will, ha will occur. If some remarkable drug breakthrough happens, I think it will be as normal. But more likely, it'll be with a very restricted crowd. And probably even more likely than that, behind closed doors. And when I talk about restricted crowd, obviously we haven't got the guidelines yet, but that is clearly a challenge for everyone as to, you know, who comes, where they sit, etc. So that's a mega restrictive challenge. And what I said on the Q&A is in most scenarios, that is not good financially for any club and not good for a late Orient. And the challenge I put out to everyone was, any ideas you have, please let the club know for how we can make up the revenue. The biggest thing that we really think we can take advantage of is streaming that we have a lot of capability in and have gradually built up over the last four years. Changing subjects, I had a really good call with all our employees, including the players yesterday. You'll be pleased to hear me report that everyone seems in good spirits. Uh, everyone's somewhat, as you can imagine, frustrated by being locked up at home. But we have a very mature group at Leighton Orient, and it was a good call. Um, people participated in an excellent discussion. So I feel very good about where we stand. And one thing I learned from the discussion is that the players are very excited about the opportunities of next year. And they put it into perspective by saying that this year, before the coronavirus, was a really difficult year. We all know what happened following Justin's uh, untimely death last uh, June and how difficult it's been to get settled. And they think that puts us in really good shape for moving up the table next year. I'm going to close by saying thank you for your ongoing support. Thank you for your interest in Lake Norian Football Club. We're trying very hard to keep you engaged. Uh, I would ask all our spectators to work very hard at staying fit and healthy. Please make sure you obey all the rules. And we may have one or two interesting announcements coming up in the next week or so. So a little bit of a teaser there. I'll leave it at that. Enjoy your weekend. Though, of course, these days, for most of us, the weekend is the same as every other day. Anyway, enjoy yourself. Up the O's. Thank you very much indeed, Nigel. And just to pick up on what Nigel said there, I mean, it's a credit that the club have, um, have put out so much content uh, with, the, with the tournament that they did. Uh, got an awful lot of additional interest in Leighton Orient Football Club, clubs that you would probably only ever dream about being connected to. So kudos to the media team of Luke and Dan 
who uh, who did that. But also, just to mention that there's uh, there's been a lot of other interviews. The Orient Hour have done a load, and, and the Lowdown podcast as well. So kudos and credit to those guys who have been uh, doing their best to uh, to keep us all entertained. And uh, Dave Victor's uh, certainly an expert interviewer. Um, so uh, absolute credit to, to all fans and uh, and fan media to uh, to try and keep us entertained and occupied when there is is no football. So moving on then, and Nigel teased out a couple of uh, couple of announcements coming later uh, this week. So look forward uh, to hearing more about that. But as always, we will start the show and move on to our sponsorship. AJF Plastering are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company that cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And the best part is that they offer all Leighton Orient fans a fifteen percent discount. That also includes staff and players. For more information and the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can email ajfplastering at outlook.com or visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter. And we were very uh, kindly sent a message uh, from Adam, our sponsor, about his memories of this time last year. So here's Adam telling us about his, his, his memories. Hi guys, thanks for uh, asking me for my memories um, of the championship winning day. Um, For me, I think because of the week before the result of Solihull, although mathematically um, it wasn't done, it wasn't done and dusted and people at the club, you know, uh, they weren't sort of committing to the fact that realistically we was never, we was never going to, it was never going to be turned around on the final day. You know, we could have lost one nil, two nil. I think. I think the goal difference um, meant that it was reasonably hard for us not to win. So I woke up in the morning extremely confident and in an extremely good mood. I mean, I first started supporting Lena in, in the ninety two ninety three season, uh, and I pretty much knew from then on, even as a young kid, that I wasn't signing up for. Um, for a life of glory hunting, like you know, perhaps people who follow Man United and Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, so this day was extra special for me because, um, barring some absolute freak result, um, I was going to witness later on winning a league title for the first time since '92, '93, uh, since I started supporting the club. So I woke up in the morning extremely um, confident, extremely. Um, excited about the day um, you know done the usual got on the train got up to the ground early had some, had a few beers before the game um, the game itself the <laughs> I don't really have any memories of the game if I'm honest um, it was a, I don't think it was the greatest spectacle in the world um, but the only memory I do have is on about 85 minutes I, I, uh, I made my way down to the front of the south stand um, by the gates to go into the onto the pitch with uh, hundreds of others um, waiting for that referee to blow the final whistle. Once that final whistle went, the adrenaline that was pumping through uh, my veins was um, yeah like a, like a feeling I'd never never felt before. And, and running onto that pitch, it was funny because running onto the pitch, I you know I had all these plans to try and get to this player, get to do that. I just, it all sort of fell apart, and I just uh, ran on the pitch and celebrated and. Um, it was the most, you know, to be in that ground that day with with thousands of supporters, 
getting to witness that was one of the best days of my life. Um, the other memories I have is, you know, being able to be as close as I was to seeing us lift the title because uh, I was on the pitch at the time. Um, and also after the game, um, I remember sort of making my way back to the south stand and turning around and Ken Teague was doing sort of a, a lap of honour. And um, poor Ken Teague, I mean, I, you know, I'm not the smallest of guys and I, it was a quite, a, it was a reasonably warm day, I was reasonably sweaty, so uh, I... Um, I literally bear rubbed him. I've got a photo of it now, and I just I remember saying thanks and just thanking him from the bottom of my heart. Um, and then after that, it was just a complete party. I mean, one of the one of the other uh, memories I had of the of the day as well was uh, we went to the coach and horses. The coach and horses was far too busy, so we made our way up to the line and key where there was uh, a lot of Orient supporters. And um, what was great was we was drinking outside. There was flags. There was you know, cars, baby, and it was wonderful. And then all of a sudden, a couple of the players turned up. I think it was, uh, from my recollection, it was um, Charlie Lee, um, Gorman and Lingy all pulled up in a, in a car and they jumped out and we, we, we grabbed by the fans and lifted aloft. You know, they were getting sort of crowd surfed up high in, uh, in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the high road. It was, what a day. Um, so, for me, it was um, one of the best days of my life. And I remember getting home that night and uh, my missus said to me, I have never seen you smile that much. Um, which I think is probably an anticlimax for her that she's never seen me smile that much considering we've been together for five years. So uh, my apologies to her, but uh, she probably will never understand what it means to support a club like we support, to have the people that we have running it, to have the fans that we have to have the community to have to have everything that we have and um, especially everything that's going on at the minute I think that we all need to take stock on on how important um, how important Leighton Orient is to us because uh, there's going to be other clubs that perhaps might not get through what we're getting through so what we all went through a year ago um, as a fan base um, is something that I will cherish for the rest of my life and every Leighton Orient supporter that I know and ones that I don't know will cherish it for the rest of their lives. It was the most amazing day and um, something that will live with me for the rest of my life. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get to see it again one day. But if not, um, later on, it's given me a memory that, that I'll never forget. Up the O's. So thank you, Dan, to Adam. Wise words, as always, there from our sponsor, Adam Francis. So moving on into A... OB, and we were saddened to learn the news that legendary O's defender Sid Bishop passed away on Tuesday, the 22nd of April. Sid was one of Oregon's all-time legendary players. He made 323 appearances for the O's. He was a skillful centre-back. He was in the Division Three South Championship side of 1955-56. was an ever-present in the greatest ever O's team that won promotion to the First Division in 1961-62, he played in all 49 games. He was at the O's for 13 years until he took up the role of player manager at Southern League Hastings United in 1965. So we, from Orient Outlook Towers, send our condolences to Sid's family and friends. And Nigel Travis wanted to play a message about his recollections of Sid. I wanted to make a special recording to remember the life of Sid Bishop, who unfortunately passed away last week. 
When I started watching Leighton Orient, Sib was our centre-half on what a rock he was. He was a leader. He was solid in every way. And I must have seen him probably 30, 40 times. But what I remember is that final game in the season 1961-62 when we got promoted to the then top division, League One. Uh, Sid was fantastic and he was part of that tremendous defence we had in that year we went up and he did very well in my view the following year in League One so we're all sad to see him pass at the age of 86 but as chairman of the club I think he is truly one of the Orient heroes that we all want to look back thank him for his life thank him for his service to Leighton Orient and pass our very sincere condolences to his family thank you so that was O's chairman, Nigel Travis. We had some comments based on our uh, RIP message for Sid on Facebook. So Tony Bailey messaged us as an unbiased, but always said with a bigger club, Sid would have played for England. Best centre-half that ever played for the O's in my 67 years supporting RIP Sid. Thanks for the memories. Brian Doe also commented and said, my late father's favourite O's player, and he saw very many during his 60-plus years as an O's supporter. My dad always raved about the half-back line of Lucas, Bishop and Lee, but he especially raved about Sid, and what a great player and a person he was. Much love and thoughts are with Sid's family at this very difficult time. So we'd also, from Orient Outlook Podcast Towers, like to send our condolences to the family of Orient fan Jimmy Goddard, who recently passed away following a heart attack. So we say RIP to Jimmy, and we'd like to dedicate tonight's episode to Sid Bishop, Jimmy Goddard, Simon Edwards, and of course, Justin Edinburgh. So moving in on then to the day that was. So we're going to rewind back a year. We'll set the scene as the National League headed to a dramatic close. You heard the commentary from BT Sport at the top of this show. And as you'll remember that following the O's 0-0 draw away at, Sol- at Solihull and Salford's surprise 1-0 home defeat to AFC Fylde on Monday the 22nd of April, Easter Monday as it was then, that meant that with just one game left to be played, the O's topped the National League with 88 points and a goal difference of plus 38, meaning that Salford would need to make up three points and a five-goal difference to take over the O's on the final day of the season as we would be entertaining bottom-of-the-league Braintree and Salford had to travel away to Hartlepool with it all to play for. And as you know, we played out a pretty nervous, tense and uneventful 0-0 draw with Braintree, which meant that the O's were crowned National League champions as Brisbane Road erupted Cue a massive pitch invasion. We all ran on to celebrate with our friends, our family, players, staff, and anyone and everyone in scenes that we'll all remember for the rest of our lives. As eventually, Joby McEnough was handed the National League trophy in the centre circle in a pretty hectic award ceremony as we all enjoyed what was to follow for the rest of the day, evening, and the weekend as the Star Man Awards followed shortly after on the Sunday. So let's crack on in with our recollections from the day. First up, we're going to focus on the Orient media. First of all, you all know him as the voice of Orient, Orient player, friend of the podcast. Hi, Steve. Paul. London. Here is 
Dave, Victor's memories of that day. Hi, lads. Hope you're well. And thank you so much in these difficult times. Give us the opportunity to reflect on a wonderful day, one I know that I will never, ever forget. Didn't sleep very well the night before, and I woke up with this mixture of high excitement, also a little bit anxious. I did have a distraction, though, when I arrived at the Bray Group Stadium because out on the middle of the pitch were the guys from... BT Sport. Now they were rehearsing what should have been the presentation of the trophy. It was standing in the centre of the pitch on a plinth and I spoke to one of the producers and I said I'm not sure this is going to work because I know they're all in faithful. Success doesn't happen very often and when it does we love to flood onto the pitch and of course that's exactly what happened on the final whistle. In commentary I said that tears of sorrow had turned to tears of joy and it was such a wonderful scene in front of me. With supporters holding up players high and in the centre of it all was, of course, Justin Edinburgh. It was his outstanding leadership, which, against the odds, had seen a struggling side turn into champions. And Leighton went back where we belong in the Football League. And let's hope we're all back where we belong at the Bray Group Stadium, Brisbane Road, very soon. Take care and stay safe. Thank you very much indeed to the voice of Leighton Oint, Mr Dave Victor, who's constantly supported us um, throughout the season with uh, with his interviews and I accidentally pushed play on our next contributor. The next message we've got is from Orient's former media manager. He's now at AFC Bournemouth. I accidentally pushed his, so you'll know uh, with no uncertain terms that we are very glad uh, he'll always be a part of the Orient family. It's Elliot Byrne. Here's Elliot's uh, message. Uh, he's got uh, he's got quite a lot uh, of memory of the day, and he gives some great insight we haven't heard before. So this is Elliot Byrne. Hi, Stephen Paul, um, and everyone listening. I hope everyone is well during this time. Um, I've been asked to share my memories of our promotion this time last year. Um, I mean, that week in particular, the whole week, was an incredibly special time for for everyone connected with the football club, you know, the players, the staff, the supporters. Um, it kind of really kicked off with that Solihull game um, and, you know, the situation that left us in in terms of being so close to winning the league title. Um, the atmosphere there in particular was incredible. Um, I remember kind of the... We were on the coach pulling in and seeing the you know the crowds of people that had kind of gathered to to greet the players off and you know greet them back on after the game in the ovation that Justin got in particular. Um, I remember him doing a ten minute interview with BT, which seemed to drag on for for ages. But the the crowd stayed behind in the away end and sung his name for the entirety of the interview. And I remember that being feeling very special at the time and being desperate for him to finish so he could go over and recognise them. Um, I think I think that week was a very um, it was a very kind of determined week. Um, no one really got too ahead of themselves. Um, I remember Ross in particular being quite excited at the end of the game, but I think everyone on the whole was um, very much that there was still work to be done. Um, there was a real determination not to get ahead of ourselves, um, which I think kind of was driven by kind of was driven by Justin in particular and the standards that he had set. Um, throughout the season as an entirety, he was very big at you know not to get too high when we were winning and not to get too low when we were losing, um, which was funny because 
Justin himself was a nervous wreck, to be honest. He, I think the the situation in where the academy, the future of the academy and the, you know, all the staff and all the players um, kind of rested on, he felt his shoulders and I think he took that really personally that week. Um, he, I'd never really seen him kind of get nervous. Um, you know, he was a man who kind of played at the top level and won, you know, played in cup finals. So it was very bizarre to see him like that. But um, I think it, it really highlighted just how much he cared, how much he'd kind of fallen in love with the club and everything around it. Um, he, you know, he, he was so desperate to succeed. Um, most of our week was kind of occupied with, you know, television. Um, requirements, you know, preparing for the, the trophy lift, doing, you know, small things like organising where all the champagne and the beer was going to come from, you know, what happens when the, the pitch invasion happens. Um, we knew that was inevitable. Um, the National League, I think, were telling us that we weren't to, you know, do the trophy presentation if there were fans on the pitch, but then um, BT obviously had a limited time period in which they, you know, they had to, Premier League to to broadcast that afternoon so they couldn't wait forever um, so we had to kind of get ready to work that in because we knew pitch invasion was inevitable we knew kind of what that symbolised for the supporters um, after the, the, the several years before um, the day was very busy in terms of um, TV commitments Kent and Nigel spoke to BT you know there were interviews Justin had interviews during during the game um, you know, at half time and during the game the last few minutes and um, we had a Sunday Times journalist following um, the keyboardering staff around and, and you know taking photos and it, it, it was a very hectic day um, but it was it was one that was incredibly special. Um, I think once we kind of reached like the hour mark and it became clearer than you know, completely clear that there was no way it wasn't it wasn't going to go our way, and um, we knew that with complete certainty that we were going to win the title. There was kind of a nice period where obviously the action still going on, um, and before the kind of all the madness starts, that so we really got the chance to kind of take it all in and enjoy it um, I remember I went down pitch side for the final kind of 5-10 minutes to, to film, I mainly filmed Joby, he was on the touchline, he was prowling um, the touchline um, desperate for that moment um, that that was he, yeah, that was really good, um, the whole place the atmosphere, it felt like it was kind of like a cauldron and the, the, you know, the place was about to explode um, and when it did, it, it, the as all the supporters know that just feeling to know that everything we'd gone through through the year, you know, all the ups and the downs, kind of had been worth it. It was completely incredible. Um, we spent a bit of time doing content in terms of editing photos, you know, videos, um, preparing for Starman the next day. But but we were determined to to enjoy the day as well. Um, enjoy the occasion because we, we know that uh, promotions and league titles you know don't come around very often um, there was a party upstairs in the boardroom with kind of all the players staff and the families um, I remember in particular spending a lot of time with with Ross and Matty Harold and Josh Coulson um, and you know their families and 
um, it was a, a, a fantastic kind of evening, the celebration. I remember, you know, we were there for for a few, quite a few hours, and then we, me and my friends, went to you know some of the local pubs. I think I remember bumping into Danny Macklin at the Coaching Horses. Um, it seemed that everyone was kind of in a, a very small radius around the stadium. We were walking, you'd walk down the streets, and you'd be hugging random supporters that you just bumped into. Um, you'd see people you were, you were friends with, and. Uh, have your moments to celebrate with them and you know you've seen all the videos from from how everyone else is celebrating you know the video of Sam Ling and Del Gorman um, getting their car stopped and the fans kind of carrying them on their shoulders it was it, it felt it felt like it's such an incredible evening um, and then we obviously had Starman the next night which was great fun it was a you know a great opportunity for us to, all to kind of gather in one place and celebrate um the highlight of that night clearly came at the end uh, just after the dj had stopped playing and um i remember for about 10 15 20 minutes there was you know, the group of everyone that was kind of remaining the supporters uh players ross uh, you know some of the staff um kind of were all stood on on tables and chairs just singing songs singing songs for all the players singing just orient songs um and it was it just felt really special it it was i think a lot of what made that team successful was you know the spirit and that was the spirit between you know the the players the spirit between the staff and i think the spirit between the you know the club and the supporters i think there was a real kind of you know unity there and to to be able to celebrate so kind of together um you know on the pitch and at starman and and be with all the supporters and be um together and enjoying you know enjoying that celebration was really special and um it was a fantastic fantastic weekend and I can't believe it's a year ago now. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to listening to the rest of the podcast and, and thank you for for everything, guys. Hi. So a massive thank you there to Elliot Byrne. He may be in Premier League now, but Orion will forever be in his heart. And he gave great insight there. So, again, all we can do is say a massive thank you there to Elliot. So now time for one of our memories. So we reported on this glorious, epic day back in the Ackley title episode one, well, 1881 or 181. Um, so we've gone back into the podcast archives to find out what we thought about the day. So Mr. Lever, your views on that glorious weekend. Yeah, unedited. Um, I think it still stands really uh, today. I haven't changed my mind. A bit of a forgettable game, and, and, but an unforgettable day. The game just needed a goal to make it more memorable. Uh, to make it a more memorable game. But all said and done, it was more about the occasion, more about getting promoted automatically, and we achieved that. From back to front, to a man in the game management, the in-game management was superb. Braintree tried, but didn't have anywhere near enough in them to hurt us. Absolutely incredible. I wrote my thoughts on the Tuesday morning, over two full days after the event, and I was still trying to digest it all at the time and gather my thoughts on the day. For me, Saturday was a weird day because I fully expected us to go up as champions. I'd gone through the different permutations and the odds were heavily in our favour. So for me, the game was a formality. So when we won it, mentally, I was just like, well, that was the expected outcome. When I hear we were last champions 50 years ago, it really sets in 
how historical this point in time is to be able to tell future generations of fans that I was there when we were automatically promoted in 2019 is amazing and cannot be removed from the history books. The pitch invasion was a special event too. I do remember uh, the announcements over the Tannoy to not invade the pitch and I, I thought to myself, yeah, good luck with that one. Uh, very different to the one that we did uh, a couple of years before that. Um, a very different one. Uh, people hugging each other, some having never met or spoken before. Just the sheer jubilation and the meaning of the day taking over everyone's emotions was just amazing to watch. And I've ended it by saying congratulations to everyone at the club and us fans on this memorable occasion. Once a no, always a no. Beautiful words there, as always, from my Southstand mm. chum, bearded legend. So we've heard from the Southstand chum, we've heard from the media guys. So let's hear from four members now of the board. We'll start off with Orient CEO, and here's Danny Macken's recollections. Hi, everyone. First and foremost, I hope everyone is well during these difficult and unprecedented times. Uh, and thank you, Paul and Steve, for putting on this special show. I'm sure it will give people some uh, nostalgia from one year back on and uh, something that we'll treasure for, for many, many years to come. So my memories of the Braintree game one year on. Uh, first start when we left Solihull, I remember being with Kent and uh, the reality of it settling in that we were virtually there. It was teasing. It was sort of like one hand on the trophy, but didn't want to get too carried away. Way, making sure we continued our planning of having a full Brower Group stadium and that that week was a reminder of why we get into sport and why at the moment we're missing those memories and moments more than ever uh, it was you know all of the hard work that everyone had put in from the board to members of staff to Justin the playing squad absolutely everyone played a part in that and first and foremost it was for the fans and it kept thinking what's that moment going to be like when we finally get over the line and when we get that promotion uh Building up to the week was really strange. I'm a Braintree-born uh, lad, supported them all of my life and been to you know, t tens and hundreds of games. And uh, it, it was a strange one. So clearly uh, it was a difficult one in the, in the build-up, but an enjoyable one looking back. So my memories of that that day, it wasn't the cl most classic of games ever. It won't live long in the memories for, for the football purists, but in terms of what it brought, that elation as we started to hear the results... Uh, coming through, I think it was, what was it uh, Hartlepool that d did the job on Salford um, with our point, and more importantly, the points we done down the line allowed us to get over that line. And as we built up towards the final whistle, being on the balcony, hugs with with, with family and with, with board members and their families, it was it was special. We could you know, sense and almost counting down the last minutes and the last seconds, but at the same time, not really wanting it to end because you know how rare it is. It was obviously forty nine years since we'd won a won a title and uh, we wanted to savour that moment but I remember just seeing that pure absolute elation when the, the ref ran down towards the tunnel and I don't blame him uh, and seeing within five seconds you know several thousand people on the pitch it was just like wow you know we, we've done it think where we were a couple of years ago where we were when Justin came in and it was just like right this is this is for you guys this is this is special uh, tears did flow there's no doubt about it and yeah I'll never forget seeing the aftermath of the the dressing room we had along with uh, Stephen Paul we had a very very full uh should we say, boardroom uh, after the game. And I've, I've never drunk so much wine and champagne and beer on one night then, but it was all deserved. And it was great to be able to go into the supporters club. I remember taking the trophy in there and uh, 
it was like I'd taken million pound checks in there. It was absolutely fantastic. And seeing Nigel and Kent rightly take that round of applause with those in the supporters club, and it was absolutely rammed in there, was, was special and something that will live in the memory. Uh, made sure, sort of went round and, and, and made sure that everyone knew they played a part in that. And it was every single person that had done that. Uh, afterwards, I remember going on to the Lion and Key, having uh, a, a surreal dinner with a number of the board members, including Nigel and, and Kent and their families. And it was, as it sat down, it really started to sink in. Then the next day was the Star Man, and we had to sort of uh, very quickly, should we say, uh, sober up before getting even more uh, intoxicated the following evening. But that Star Man, if we couldn't have written a script at the timing of that and to me that was one of the best nights uh, I've ever had in my career and it was absolutely fantastic seeing people dance on the table I've still got the videos now and I occasionally look at them of uh, Ross on the table uh, dancing and it was it was a special night there was a, a couple should we say had one or two many drinks but they, they deserved that celebration and it was fantastic to be able to do that with the fans and uh, yeah I'm going to look back on, on that, that weekend with real fondness and I remember the next day we all came in and did our annual sort of review of the season uh, and it was great to be able to reflect on that success and then look about how we can be even more successful on and off the pitch in the coming seasons. so it was a, a special occasion on one that will never but ever be forgotten and I look forward to uh, hearing everyone else's opinions on it so first and foremost stay well and uh, look after yourself look after your families up the O's. Thank you very much indeed CEO Danny Macklin and thanks for everything that you've done uh, to help improve our club and the levels of communication are, are, are off the scale. So thanks, Danny, and thanks for your support and contributions throughout the past season as well. Now we're going to move on to another board member who we haven't really heard much from uh, for whatever reason, but we're absolutely privileged, honoured and delighted to be hearing from Marshall Taylor. He's an Orient fan. He helped through the uh, takeover with Nigel and Kent. He's an investor, I believe, as well. Uh, he is the mastermind behind the retail uh, aspect of the, uh, of the football club from the shop. So here is a short message from Marshall Taylor. Hello, everyone listening to the Orient Outlook podcast. Hope you're all keeping safe and well during these difficult times. Isn't it incredible to think we're all sitting here sat at home in lockdown listening to this and only a year ago we were all on the streets celebrating our promotion back to the Football League. As I sit at home reflecting on my thoughts from this time last year, I'll be honest and I didn't enjoy the build-up to the game one bit. I wasn't as nervous as I was during the build-up to the Solihull game but as you know following Orient you just never, never know what can happen. We'd always had a realistic plan for promotion in year three, so we were ahead of schedule. But in the back of your mind, you always think about the knock-on effects of not going up that day would have had on the club. Losing the academy and the staff and young players associated with it, the impact it could have on the fan base, some of whom may not fancy a third year in non-league football, and it possibly putting a dent in the momentum that we've built up since the takeover. And it's times like this you just miss being a fan sometimes and not having to worry about all these behind-the-scenes impacts. So it's safe to say I didn't enjoy the build-up to the game one bit. That all changed, though, when kickoff happened. I remember it being a sunny day, the place was full and the atmosphere was rocking. But I remember in about minute three or four, my phone uh, beeped and I got a notification that Salford had gone one up. So, started 
to be become a little bit nervous again. And I can remember Braintree had actually started to play really, really well. It probably wasn't until half-time when I saw Salford had gone down to 10 men that I could really finally relax. And I think if we'd scored in the last 10 to 15 minutes that day, the roof would have come off the place. The atmosphere was fantastic. And what a feeling at full-time when that whistle went. My memories of full-time... I never, ever go into the changing rooms, but this time I went in to say well done to all the staff and players, and I timed it absolutely perfect. I just walked through the door when Justin just started to make his now infamous speech that we'd all seen on YouTube, and that's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. One other poignant memory I remember is with so many things going on, there were so many people waiting to speak to Justin from press, officials, fans, etc. But I can remember just the other side of the tunnel, there were five or six young children. They may have been mascots, I can't quite remember. But Justin made the point to go and speak to each one of them individually first. And it's things like that that tells you everything you need to know about the man. And the celebrations on the pitch afterwards were a real moment for everyone connected to the club. It was a great day. My thoughts and memories about the celebrations in the evening, it was great being with all the players, their family and young children. Everyone had a smile on their face and you could really see the camaraderie that Justin had built in the team. It really was a fantastic, fantastic day. The celebrations didn't last very long for us on the board, though, if I remember rightly. I'm pretty sure the next morning we had an early board call to start implementing the plans for our first season back in the Football League. So the celebrations didn't last long. Thoughts go out to any of those fan bases that have been affected by Corona and hoping to see you all back cheering the O's very, very soon. All the best. So thank you there to Marshall Taylor, making his Orient Outlook podcast debut, I believe, and what an episode to make your debut in. Thank you for the message, Marshall. What a time to walk into the dressing room as Justin was making that pivotal and famous speech. So thank you there to Marshall. So we've got two more board members coming up. First of all, friend of the podcast, he did hold the record for longest ever podcast, but he's now been overtaken. So let's hear from Leighton Orient, it's Matt Porter. Hi everyone, it's Matt Porter here. Hope you're all well at these difficult times. Looking forward to uh, getting back to Brisbane Road, hopefully in the not too distant future. But most important thing is for everyone to stay safe and well for the time being. Football can wait for normality to return. Anyway, I suppose we're nearly a year now, aren't we, from uh, that famous day when we got back into the Football League. It was ironic, really, because I think on the day we all kind of knew it was going to how it was going to pan out. We weren't going to really be able to mess that up, even in true Orient style. Um, but the shame for me, I suppose, was that we just didn't have that champagne moment. It would have been nice if we'd have had a goal, um, you know, or a penalty save or just something to uh, to really hammer it home for us. But the good thing was that everybody was in a relaxed mood. Everybody was anticipating what was going to come after and nobody was going to be able to take that away from us. So I don't really have many memories of the actual game because I don't think a huge amount happened. But just the occasion was, was lovely to see the place full, to see everybody smiling and to see some redemption after what had gone before, you know, all the efforts that Nigel and Ken had put in to uh, get us back up to the Football League paid off and you know credit to Danny, Martin, Justin of course and, and Ross and everybody who was working at the club for all the efforts that they put in uh, over the course of that sort of 18 month period if you like to uh, to really get us back into the Football League where we where we deserve to be. 
I suppose the highlight of the day for me was the, the, the party afterwards that we had in the boardroom. Um, all the players, staff, their families. I was there with my wife, Joe, and my little boy, Henry. And, and it was just a really, you know, a really great occasion. It was, um, you know, just everyone letting their hair down, having a few drinks, the trophy getting passed around for selfies. And it was, um, you know, it was a, a, a wonderful time. We, we absolutely loved, you know, every second of that. And you, and you cherish, you know, any memory you've got from that day because, as we know, being Orient fans, those sort of times don't come along too often. Um, I guess, you know, when you look back on the trophy presentation, perhaps to the outside world, it looked a bit of a shambles and to be frank it, it probably was but it didn't really matter from our point of view because it was just about us all celebrating together everybody on the pitch relief letting their hair down just the, the absolute excitement of, of winning a title and uh, and gaining our football league status back so it was great to see so many people who I knew and uh, you know people coming up to me on the pitch I remember actually one one lad probably about 17 years old came up to me and asked if he could have my tie and, and I said no because I wanted it for Wembley I'm a bit superstitious and I really wanted it for Wembley but I felt bad afterwards so I spent quite a while trying to find him without any success but I'm sure he's got a tie of his own now anyway so yeah the, the memories you know they're, they're, they're mostly about what happened afterwards it was uh, it was all a bit um, all a bit of a blur you know and the game as we all said wasn't really a, a classic but the main thing was we were back in the league and you know a little bit of mission accomplished and a little bit of the first step on the ladder back to where we want to be so I've rambled on for long enough I hope you're all well enjoying the weather if, if not a lot else at the moment but uh, look forward to seeing you back at, in E10 sooner rather than later take care everyone Thank you very much indeed, Matt, and thanks again for all your uh, help and contributions to the podcast uh, down the years. Uh, very much appreciated. Now, man, uh, next up, a man who needs no introduction whatsoever is Leighton Orient's vice chairman and principal investor. Sent us a message uh, yesterday, so thank you very much, Ken, uh, for again for your support uh, throughout the, uh, the the years as well. Uh, this is what Kent had to say about his memories of last year. Paul and Steve, uh, Kent Teague here. Um, it's amazing to me how much things can change in a year. Uh, it is also amazing to me how much things can change, sometimes in the blink of an eye. Um, it is incredible the number of changes that the club has been through, the, the number of things that we've been through as a club, and, and, and that the world uh, has been through in the last year. I think that, you know, my feelings before the Braintree game really started in the car ride uh, to Sully Hole with Martin Ling. And I remember watching the players get off the bus and, and saying hello to Justin. And I was super excited because I knew it meant something. But I don't think I really understood the significance of what happened at Sully Hole. And I don't think I really appreciated the significance of, about, of what was going to happen at Braintree. Of course, I spent uh, that week in Layton at Lion and Key and uh, being involved in just sort of the preparations for the Braintree game. You know, right before the Braintree game, I'm pretty sure I didn't sleep for two days, uh, so I was probably not... Uh, my normal, calm, uh, you know, self. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember before the Braintree game really being just kind of out of my mind uh, about how excited I was. 
Uh, I hardly remember the game. Uh, I hardly remember the draw. Um, What I remember is I remember the National League telling us that they didn't want us to allow any fans to enter the pitch after the game. And, of course, I thought they had lost their mind. And the other thing is is that I remember being up on the balcony after the game, and it took me back to when Nigel had let me watch a game which unfortunately didn't end with a pitch invasion, but it included a pitch invasion at the very same ground uh, and at the very same spot where now our fans were uh, entering the pitch. For me, it was a privilege. It was an honor. It was something I will never forget. Hopefully it's something I'll get to repeat. But I actually stepped onto that hallowed ground uh, at... uh, And it was uh, it was amazing, um, and I enjoyed seeing fans, you know, uh, raising the cup, doing all the stuff with Nigel and the board and the players and and all of that, and of course the celebrations and the parties afterwards. My favorite thing about the after party was requesting if we could take the cup from where it was with the players after they had spent a lot of time with it, their families and all of that after the game, I asked if we could uh, transport that down into uh, (laughs) the supporters club. And Nigel went in with it and it was a great, it was just a great scene of uh, the supporters being so excited about what we had accomplished. And again, I'm not quite sure I really understood the significance of what we had accomplished. And I'm in some ways, I'm not sure even today I understand it. Um, You know, the after parties and the star man and all that for me didn't really stop until after uh, we went to Wembley. And it's interesting because that all kind of all goes together for me. Everything from, Sully Hole all the way up and through um, Wembley. And I know we didn't achieve at Wembley what we set out to, but we had already accomplished what was most important. We were back in the football league. And, you know, for me, that's the main thing. The main thing is that this club, this group of people, at this time in history, figured out a way to put themselves back where we truly belong, back in the football league, and not only back in the football league, but as champions. To me, that's what it's all about. Thanks for all y'all's time. Thanks for for everything that you guys do uh, for Leighton Orient and the club. And up the O's. So that was Leighton Orient, Vice Chairman, Mr. Ken Teague, on his three collections of the day.
Thank you, Ken, for all your help with the football club, with the podcast. You are a scholar and a gentleman. And thank you to all the board members who sent us a message. Every board member who we asked came back straight away pretty much and sent us a message or saying they would do. So we appreciate that massively. And it just goes to show you what a fantastic board that Leighton Orient have at the club at the minute. So moving on into my views of the day from episode 18. 181. I've kept them exactly as they are. So I've noted an amazing day. The match wasn't one to remember, but I'll always remember the feeling once the full-time whistle went, just feeling that euphoria and needing and wanting to get onto that pitch. I mean, I think it wasn't ever really in doubt we would do it. And once Hartlepool equalised early in the second half, I think the party really could begin. But the celebrations were like nothing I've ever seen before. And I mean, how we did it feel just legging it onto that pitch, everyone smiling, hugging. And when the players came out to lift their trophy, it was a moment I'll never forget. A great night to my new friends. I met loads of people in all the different pubs and who I met at the pitch and in the stands. It was a pleasure to meet everyone. And I finished by just saying, everyone deserves the biggest amount of credit. But Nigel Kent, all the board, Martin, Justin, who was only five months old when I went last won a league title, Ross, Danny, the coaching staff, players, everyone at the club, thank you from the bottom of my heart. What a day, what a weekend. Very, very nice, very poignant, Mr Nussbaum. So we had a couple of messages in from uh, the staff at the time uh, as well, still there now. Reese Otley, the goalkeeping coach, uh, we haven't really ever heard from him, so delighted that Reese responded uh, to our request. And this is what Reese had to say about his memories from this time last year. Hi all, Reese Otley here, goalkeeping coach. Hope everyone's keeping well. Crazy to think it was a year ago that we were crowned National League champions. And here are just a few of my thoughts and reflections around that time and the Braintree game. A big thing for me was probably the month before and some of the massive games and results that took place. Um, if you look back to Bromley, Losing that game, which was our game in hand at the time, could have potentially derailed our season. But the way we bounced back was incredible. If we go to Halifax, the last-minute equaliser to earn a point. The three points at Eastleigh, again, having been in a losing position. And then the Saturday game against Sutton, which we obviously won 2-1 with a dramatic Macaulay Bond last-minute penalty was huge to put us in a in the driving seat and then obviously in the position we ended up ourselves ended up in um, league going into the Braintree game. The message was clear that week from the gaffer. It was business as usual um, and we were going to do whatever it took to get a point, to get that three points, the clean sheet, whatever it took to make sure that the trophy was ours. Um, the game itself wasn't necessarily a thriller. Um, we knew that it was going to take a huge swinging goal difference to take the title away from us. But we knew what was going on in the Salford game by the reaction of the crowd, knowing that they were losing. So probably with about 15 minutes to go, knowing that they were losing and we weren't, was probably the first time that I knew that the trophy was going to be ours. When that full-time whistle went, a lot of it's a blur. Obviously, with all the fans and the players and the staff being on the pitch, um, the scenes were fantastic, being all together, finally getting back into the EFL with all the hard work that was put into that season. Some of the celebrations after the game were fantastic. If we look at back at that 
that now famous speech that the gaffer gave to all the staff and the players in the change room after the game, thanking the board, the staff, the players and everyone for their efforts um, and memories that will stick with me forever. Going up to the boardroom afterwards with the trophy uh, where our family and friends all were to celebrate with some fantastic memories and my memories that will stick with me forever. So thank you very much indeed to Reese Otley there for uh, for his for his uh, for his views. They're short and sweet there, but really interesting how people uh, remember uh, this uh, from uh, from from a year ago. So uh, Reese, thank you, mate. Really appreciate you uh, sending that over to us. Yeah, another podcast debut there for Mister yes. Otley. So again, thank you to Reese. So coming up next, at the time he was Leighton Orient's assistant manager. One year later, he is the head coach, the main man, a very, very good friend of the podcast, the third outlooker. God knows how many times he's been on this podcast. And you're going to get almost nine minutes of pure, solid, Embleton gold. Here he is. This is Ross Embleton's memories of the day. Good evening, everyone. Um, Well, where do you start in terms of trying to sum up um, what was achieved last year? Um, it would have been a great one to have been actually sat with the boys tonight talking about it because uh, I'm sure I could have made it one of those uh, epic long nights of uh, of conversation about you know not just about Leighton Orient but but about an event like this would have been quite remarkable. But uh, obviously we don't we're not afforded that luxury at the moment. So instead I'm um, I'm sitting in the garden trying to pull my thoughts together. Um, like I say, very, very difficult to sum up some of the emotions. I think um, you know, to, to, to sum up sort of the, the period really is a better way of doing it than, than trying to just talk about the one-off day that, that was fin- winning the league against Braintree. Um, no, there was an immense build-up in terms of some of those games that, that everyone will remember. Um, but to note, the, you know, the, the bank holiday weekend and, and going to Solio and... and and getting the draw in, in, a, in a game that I don't think many of us will want to remember in terms of the type of game that it was, but it was about getting through it and, and, and getting a result that we needed. And obviously it would have been fabulous to have finished it on that day, but I think it was written in the stars that, that we were made to wait that week and, um, and come back and do it at home in front of our own fans. Uh, the week was a real strange one because we were pretty much within touching distance but because we'd worked so hard and and, and got so close no one wanted to take anything for granted at all because we all know what football can do to people Um, remember sleeping okay the night before the game and waking up and and doing my usual routine making my way into the stadium in and around um, like I say my my normal time scales but um, as we arrived, it was it was just so surreal the whole feeling, like I say, because we were just so close to uh, to being there, but not quite doing it. And I, and I felt that everyone I bumped into believed that the job was done, apart from us that were actually going out there as as staff and, and ultimately for the players that going onto the pitch to actually make it happen. Um, I couldn't relax during the whole game. Um, again, a little bit similar to the Solio game. Won't be a game that many people will uh, will write about in the future, but. Um, I just felt so tense the whole way through it. 
Uh, and I remember getting to the latter stages and people obviously realising what results were like elsewhere and, and, and that ours looked like it was just going to run out to be the draw that it was. And people were coming up to the dugout and patting people on the back and trying to be really positive about the fact that you know we were, we were almost over the line. But at no time could I actually... Um, accept that it was done until the final whistle went and I remember in the last two or three minutes still sitting with my head in my hands some of it because of being so close but then some of it at the same time just wanting it to be done and wanting it to be official and confirmed and um, when the whistle went just mind-blowing mind-blowing in terms of I totally lost myself uh, first person that, that you know made a beeline for was, was the gaffer um, We'd experienced so much in, in obviously 18 months, but that season in terms of the emotion. And I think when you uh, analyse teams winning leagues and winning trophies and winning competitions, we, it can be easily forgotten how hard work it is. And I don't think I ever really realised what it, what it took or what it was going to be about. And there were so many tense moments, you know, and, and some of those come when when we were doing well and flying, especially in the first sort of 13, 14 games of the season when, when we, you know, we kept winning games and, and, and kept, you know, uh, chalking more points up on the board. It was still then the pressure sort of felt like it built and built and built more and more. So that when that moment finally came, I made a beeline for him and we shared an incredible moment and there's a wonderful picture that uh, is a go-to picture for me because of, um, you know, the, the emotion in both of our faces was uh, was captured immensely at that moment, which was uh, which is fantastic to be able to have that memory of. And then after that, I remember running on the pitch, off the pitch, back on the pitch and being back off it again. And just people were grabbing me, people I'd never met before, people that I was familiar with, just just so many joyous faces. And, and, and I, but I just didn't know where I was supposed to go and, and what it was exactly I was supposed to do um, and once I sort of realised and, and gathered my thoughts a little bit more first thing I did was made my way to uh, to find my, my family, my wife my children and, and my mum and dad uh, my brothers because um, you know they'd followed us a hell of a lot and they'd seen the uh, the ups and downs and the emotion that, that I'd gone through to, so to share that moment with them like I say was, was well worth the wait after that solid old game to get in front of our own fans and, and, and family and friends and be close enough to experience it all together. Um, I think everyone will agree that the actual celebrations were a little bit out of control and, and there wasn't a great deal of order. Um, but again, I suppose, like I said earlier, with, with regards to it being written in the stars, I think it was a great reflection on the scenes and the pictures of the club going out of the league um, were then reflected very in a very similar fashion to us coming back into it. So it was... Um, probably the way it should have been we, we, we could have enjoyed our moment of lifting the cup uh, the trophy a little bit more and all of that sort of thing but like I say for it to have people so close and so eager to, to celebrate and be part of it is um, a memory and a feeling and an emotion that, that, that you know uh, I don't think we'll ever be able to replace because I think even if I'm lucky enough to go and win another league or another trophy doing it um, after what everything, you know, after everything the club had been through and, and, and where we were heading back to, uh, just meant that 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 so much more. So, um, like I say, maybe one day uh, I'll be, I'll be able to compare the feeling. But um, but like I say, that was that was special and and and, and something that I'll always remember. Uh, and as for any sort of extended celebrations, I think two things stick in my mind. Um, we were allowed up to the level to level three and in. 
in the West End with our families and friends and sort of only a sort of certain amount of people were allowed to be invited just because of the size of the area and the space. But the longer the evening went on, uh, I was still in my tracksuit, still with my medal round my neck, still with a beer in my hand, um, family and friends close by once the place had started to filter out a little bit. And you all know who you are, those um, supporters that managed to break your way in, blag your way in, uh, talk your way into the area, um, spending the evening with those people till half nine, ten o'clock at night after what had been a bit of an earlier kickoff was a uh, was a fantastic thing, and I'm so glad that they managed to get themselves into that because some of the photos and, and you know some of those moments of sharing time with people that probably you wouldn't have expected to was uh, was a real delight. And then for me, um, and I'm absolutely gutted that I'm going to be missing the Starman dinner tonight. Um, and we don't get to celebrate at the end of a end of a season from a personal perspective of you know of being the manager now. But that night out will go down as the greatest night out I've ever had. Um, you know, I had great nights on my wedding night when my kids were born and all those sorts of things. But the Starman dinner uh, last season will never be beaten. Standing on the tables, singing and dancing and and uh, some of the scenes that, that took place on there. I know there's some videos that fly around, but um, the memories of that night will uh, forever blow me away uh, and stick with me for the rest of my life. What a magnificent achievement. Um, what a fantastic thing for for us all to have, have gone through and shared together, and it's brought us back into into the football league, which obviously is where this club uh, where this club belongs. So um, there will be many, I'm sure, pictures, videos flying around over the next couple of days, which will trigger so many other feelings and, and thoughts for everybody. And I can't wait to see all of those. Um, I'll be doing the same for, same myself, uh, but otherwise I hope everybody can uh, sit back, enjoy a beer or a glass of wine, champagne, and, and enjoy the fact that it's an anniversary of us getting promotion and winning the league. Um, and one big thing that always lives on in, in my family with my kids is uh, is that song of We're Late and Orient, We're Top of the League. It's something that, uh, that always gets sung in and around my house. So uh, a fantastic feeling, and uh, hopefully this not, let's hope that it's not you know for, not too far away in, in the future again for it for it to happen to us but I enjoy those celebrations and uh, and up the O's. Thank you very much indeed Ross what an absolutely amazing recollection he's got and he's right that Star Man Awards if, if you're able to be there was one of if not the best nights we've ever had and I, I've seen the videos of him on to I think I've actually got some of that footage somewhere actually uh, truly truly memorable night to round off a truly memorable Season. So thank you very much, Ross and Reese, uh, on the staff at the time. Uh, we're going to move on there. We've got a couple of the players who very, very kindly um, took some time out of their, their weekend to send us their recollections uh, of the weekend. And a quick, short, sharp um, message that we had from Josh Coulson, captain, uh, captain, I think he was captain, wasn't he? Vice-captain, yeah. So thank you anyway. Whatever you were, you were, you were immense that season. So thanks, Josh. And here's what Josh Coulson had to say. The podcast. Hope you're all well. Uh, as we all know, coming up to a year since uh, that magical day where we became champions and uh, got promoted back to where this club should be. Um, just thought I'd share some memories with you. I mean, what a day. Um, I remember leading up to the game, I was so confident that it was going to happen. Um, all the hard work we've done all season led to that one game at home to Braintree and all we needed to do was, was not lose really. Um, 
two clean sheets in the last two games, one that's the league is what we like to say. So I just remember the the final whistle going and the sheer elation of all our hard work's paid off and we've won the league and, and got promoted. Um, I think it was all made more special with the group that we had. Um, and obviously what happened after that is devastating, but which makes it that also makes it even more special for what we actually done and who we done it with. Um, I'll never forget being up in that, in the directors, in the in the boardroom, celebrating with friends, family, fans, everyone. Um, something that I'll, I'll keep close to my heart for a long, long time. Um, brilliant day. Um, yeah, to be champions and, and to do it how we've done it was, was something special. And uh, my medal's still in front of my TV, so that ain't going to get come down for a while, but hope everyone's staying safe and uh, I look forward to when we can all be back together playing at home where we want to be um, but everyone stay safe and, and happy year anniversary so that was super Joshy Coulson the big four-headed legend so thank you there to Josh Coulson and the next player we've got coming up described sometimes all the times as the ginger Pele you know him it's Matt Harold making his Orient Outlook podcast debut, and here are his recollections. Hi guys, uh, it's Matt Harold. Hope everyone's safe and well out there. Um, got the message today about um, kind of reflecting on last season's league victory, and it, it just seems so crazy that it's a year ago. Um, the amount that's happened between then and now is just kind of unbelievable. You could uh, could write a book on the on the whole season, and obviously they. Um, the awful events that happened in the summer but um, just touching on um, the the last day last year it was uh, it was just a massive massive relief um, the feeling going in I know we were I think we we're three points clear with with goal difference in, in our favour pretty pretty heavily but it was quite a strange atmosphere at the actual ground because no one everyone wanted to celebrate but they, they weren't sure if they could do it yet um, they weren't sure what was going on in the other games even though it would take a bit of a miracle on the last day um, for it to be overturned um, we still weren't sure what to do and it was a for a part of the game it was almost a bit um, of a surreal experience obviously there was so much drama in the games previous to that uh, um, the Sutton game especially sticks in my mind it was um, just unbelievable kind of uh, how things unravelled and <laughs> You know, the last-minute penalty that Macca scored and even the home game against... The, um, um, is it not Ebbsfleet? Um, against Eastley, sorry. Eastley. Um, that game where, where we had to come back to win that one. Um, so, yeah, um, there were some amazing kind of games leading up to that last game and uh, and that last one was, was pretty strange, but... Never forget the um, the feeling after when the whistle went and all the crowd came on, obviously, and, and we could all celebrate um, such a long, um, great season. Still, I'd say the, my most enjoyable season of my career, even even though I probably didn't start as much or or, or play as much as I'd actually like to, I think um, because of the end of the season, uh, I had a, an impact. I enjoyed it so much. It was a great group of players, great group of staff. There was a real togetherness amongst the supporters and the players. And, you know, it's not often you get that. So it was such an enjoyable, great, um, great 
great experience also um, having your, your kind of family there with kids and stuff I, I loved all that and, and also kind of my dad who who has got a lot of friends who are Leighton Orient supporters and growing up in that area being born in Leighton so it, that, that added something for me personally as well so um, it was a it was a great day we celebrated um, obviously like mad and up we went up to the director's um, box um, with our families and there was music drinks and stuff and just a just a great enjoyment of um, of a great season um, and just just so many fond memories of uh, of um, the build up to that game and and the aftermath of it and all, all the kind of the good and the nice things that come along with winning a league. So it was an unbelievable time and it's crazy to think it's a year ago, but um, it was a real great season and I'm sure all the, the Orient fans out there um, enjoyed it, the ups, the downs and everything. Um, and it was all worth it come that end day when everyone was charging on the pitch surrounding you. So, um, yeah, I hope I've, uh, hope I've summarised that okay um, and I hope everyone's okay out there and staying safe and hopefully we'll get to play some football soon cheers bye well thank you very much indeed to the ginger Pele aka Matt Harold. very grateful uh, to you for your thoughts uh, as well um, so that's the two players that we had that's Josh Coulson and, uh, and Matt Harold. we've heard from the staff um, and I have to say, uh, what a privilege and an honour it is to now play three messages from the Edinburgh family. So, first up, uh, we've got uh, we've got Charlie, uh, Justin's son, with his memories of the day, and these are very personal. Um, these are very personal memories, obviously, because obviously they, you know, live in the same house, lived in the same household with Justin. So, thank you guys for for taking the time. Um, to, to, to send us these heartfelt messages. We are very grateful to you. So first up, here's Charlie Edinburgh. I think first and foremost, um, what Dad and the group of players and staff and everybody connected with the football club um, had put themselves in a position to do going into to that game Um was was remarkable um a turnaround in the period of time that dad had had to work with with the group of players um and not really changed a great deal just instilled that belief and that togetherness that they could get over that line and um get get the job done against braintree was something that i know in in that build up to that game sort of following the the draw away at solihull um you know that game for dad uh, and for us as a family because you know we ride the roller coaster with him every step of the way we we head and kick every ball with him and the team and um i just know he couldn't wait for for that braintree game to come quick enough so that he could give all Leighton Orient fans, all the people behind the scenes that have worked so hard to, to get the football club back into a position where, you know, they could believe again after some really dark times over recent years. And, um, you know, I, I know how much it, it meant to him. And there was still some lingering nerves. I think, you know, deep down, if he'd been totally truthful with himself, he would have felt that there was... Perhaps, you know, one hand on the title going into that game, but 
we all know what football's like and it can often throw up some some shocks and Braintree weren't a team to be taken for granted you know they they picked up a couple of results against decent opposition in, in weeks leading up to the game and um Albeit they'd been near the bottom of the table all season, they they weren't no weren't no fools, and they were gonna they were gonna come and try and and, and spoil the party, you know, at, at Brisbane Road. So massive mix of emotions going into that game, but one that you know, as a family, the day as a whole, um, you know, one of our last memories of us all together, really um, having a. A time where we were so ecstatic and overjoyed and proud of what Dad and his group of players had been able to achieve. You know, the game wasn't the, the greatest of spectacles. I think it was a, a, a cagey affair. It was just a case of getting the job done and making sure that the boys done enough. And you know, they did. And and you know, one memory that stands out for me out of all of that day is just despite him being drenched with about five or six water bottles from the boys that were on the bench with him you know dad's first thing to do was to to turn and beeline to to us family and friends in the gallery and just gave us a, a kiss from the touchline and I just wanted nothing more to, to sort of be down there and, and give him a cuddle I mean me and my younger cousin eventually got down there but just the pride. Um, I've never been prouder um, to see him do the job that he'd done with such a massive football club. Um, and it's just something that I'll remember for the rest of my life, that to see grown men crying, um, cuddling, kissing, dad and and the players and you know all the hard work that Nigel Kent Lingy Matt Porter um, I've said Nigel you know Marshall all all, Danny Macklin all of the staff have put in to get that football club to that position to, to bounce back because that league is so so tough to get out of so tough and the players rightly so they they partied afterwards I mean I, I actually couldn't because I was run, running the London Marathon next day but I made sure that I was in and amongst it with all of my family and my friends and nearest and dearest and it was just what a spectacle to see that group of players and staff you know seeing Dad seeing Ross seeing Danny Webb seeing Reese Otley seeing Michael and Mo all involved, Ada, all involved with that group of players and just enjoying and feeling proud of what they'd achieved together. And that sense of relief that I'm sure, you know, was weighing on their shoulders at points during that season. But one thing for certain I know is that it was the proudest moment in, in Dad's managerial career. And up there in his in his whole entire career, I think I would go as far as saying it was his proudest moment in football. Um, and, you know, to, to get Leighton Orient Football Club back into the Football League, 
I just know is something that he will still be looking down immensely proud of and you know me mum and Sydney are, are just bursting with with pride I, I don't use that lightly I know I've mentioned that a couple of times um, but I don't think words are enough to sort of explain it but just joyous joyous scenes an unforgettable day and the world's best memories that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life so a massive thank you there to Charlie Edinburgh <coughs> for sending over that message that can't have been easy and we really really appreciate that message um brings a lump to the throat actually it's quite hard to um yeah. to try and present the podcast and be you know massively uh bubbly after that one we got a message up next um from justin's daughter sydney on her recollections uh of the day and here's what sydney recollects i would say the last game of the season at orion is my favorite and last memory of us as a family of four I remember that morning, Dad had already um, left the house before I'd even woken up. He was so eager to get to the stadium. Match days could be quite stressful in the Edinburgh household, so I was glad he'd left as I was already feeling so nervous for the day. Um, I remember we sat in different seats, which was quite unusual. Um, we was much closer to Dad, so I remember just before the final whistle, um, he turned round and looked at us as if to say, yep, I think we've done it. Every time I go back and look at pictures of Dad, I have so many of this day. Um, it makes me smile to see how happy and proud he was of the players and staff. I remember Dad shouting at the fans to get back every... Once everyone had um, got on the pitch, um, he could be quite bossy, but that was just the way he was. After the game, we had celebrations with the staff, players and families. Um, Dad got quite drunk, which wasn't unusual, and um, managed to rally back some family and friends, and we headed back to a bar in Billericay where we drank and danced the night away, which was so much fun until we remembered we had to be up early as Charlie was running the marathon the next day. Um, this day holds such a special place in my heart and is one of the proudest feelings I've ever felt. Um, to say that my dad had got Orion promoted back to the Football League is just amazing and I'm one proud daughter. Thank you very much, Sydney. That can't have been easy. So uh, thank you very much for for taking the time to uh, to send us that that message. Very very much appreciated. And finally, and uh, certainly by no means least, Justin's wife Kerry um, very kindly took some time out to to send us her recollections uh, of the day. So here's what Justin's wife uh, Kerry had to say. It was one of the best days for Justin us as a family. And definitely one of the best memories for us as a family. Um, it was a really busy weekend for us. We had the game against Braintree on the Saturday. Charlie, my son, was running the marathon on the Sunday. And then we had the Starman dinner after. So it was all a bit hectic and working out how we were going to get 
to and from places. But Justin was definitely focused on getting the game done and dusted first and then he'd worry about everything else after. Um, it'd been obviously a bit of an emotional roller coaster with the league, with being top and I think he would definitely wanted to get it done and dusted at the Solihull game. Um, but the day, the game against Braintree couldn't have come quick enough for him and the boys, I don't think. He just wanted, wanted it to be done and promotion. Um, we, the day, obviously, of the game, we sat in the gallery as a family, which Justin didn't really like me doing because I'd always tell him off after for shouting at the fourth official and you know, having one of his little rants. But it was quite nice because obviously we was in with all the fans and it was nice to be down amongst it when the final whistle actually went and it was all good and all happy. Um, it was really hard to enjoy the game, I remember. Um, it wasn't the best of games, was it? But thankfully we come out with the right result and... Um, for Justin, his staff and his players who'd worked so hard together, so deserved the promotion. Um, I can remember looking down at him about just before the final whistle and I could see a little smirk on his face, which I knew meant he was thinking to himself, we've done it. Um, and then it all went a bit crazy, but such fantastic memories and couldn't have been proud of what he and the boys and staff had achieved in such a short space of time. Um, a day he dreamed of. Um, as you know, Justin just fell in love with Orient. And I think that was quite clear for everyone to see. He really couldn't have been happier. And I take great comfort in knowing that he definitely went out on a high. Loving life. So a massive thank you there to Kerry, Charlie and Sydney for their messages. Um, and we can't thank the Edinburgh family enough for those. So that was the final message. Although if you do listen to the podcast on a regular basis, we know that after we do your views, we do have a final word and that's going to be the case this evening. So there's one final word for this episode. There's only one that we wanted to play and it has to be Justin Edinburgh's rousing post-match speech in the dressing room to his players. So go on, Justin. Tell them how well they've done. I'll just say that it's been an honour to lead this group of players, staff, and the board of directors and everyone connected with the football club. Okay, because for me, when I come in here, this club is going one way, and that was into the conference south. Okay, so credit to you because there's not been a lot of change. Remember, enjoy tonight and tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday. And when we get at that airport, and what a way to end it! That is it. Thank you for joining us for episode 212, and thanks to everyone for their messages. Massively appreciated by us or on Outlook Podcast Towers. So it's been a year since Theo's won the National League and got promoted back into the Football League where we belong. What a roller coaster the following 12 months have been. 
but we can always look back on Saturday, the 27th of April, 2019, with a huge fondness in our hearts and say we were there for the memories which we will treasure forever. So we hope you've enjoyed reflecting on that special day with us a year ago, and we hope we've done that justice for you. Absolutely. Thank you very much indeed to everybody who's contributed to to this uh, to this rather lengthy episode. We're just over the uh, just coming up to the hour and a half point now, so a slightly longer one. But you'll forgive us, given the very special nature of the content that we've got to give you. Uh, a sponsorship reminder: Don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs and we'd like to thank Adam for his sponsorship and support during the season today he's also become a regular contributor to the show a friend and we look forward to meeting up again very very soon if you're listening on, yeah. if you listen on iTunes please subscribe give the podcast a review if you listen on the SoundCloud Spotify tune in or Stitcher add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them we're yeah, also, you absolutely yeah. will. We are also an all smart speakers. So listening to the podcast has got easier than it has ever been. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, an orient charm, or someone who is just absolutely bored during this lockdown, self-isolation period, give them a text, give them a WhatsApp, send them a link to the podcast and pass the pod. So once again, we thank everyone who's been involved this evening. So thank you to the club for sorting out the player interviews. Thank you to Nigel, to Kent, to Matt, to Danny, uh, to everyone, to the Edinburgh family to for getting involved and for really, really making this a very special podcast to remember. So we'll be back again with episode 213 at some point in the future with all the information and views that you could ever, ever need. We're also in the process of well uploading well we uploaded them but we have a massive interview back catalogue so if you only joined the podcast recently go back have a look at interview playlist on SoundCloud we have interviews from Matt Lockwood through to Super Kevin Lisby to Russell Slade to Dean Cox to Roman Bancelo to Moses Odebajo to Matthew Baudry um, and many 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 more so we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm stay safe and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Thanks, everyone, and up the O's.